The Reset Podcast is a show about fresh starts. In business, career, relationships, health, and life in general, sometimes we all go forward to a new square one. Every moment is a new opportunity to begin again, and my guests will tell you how, when, and why they decided to reset their lives. I'm Franklin Taggart. Welcome to The Reset Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Reset Podcast. My name is Franklin Taggart, and my guest today is someone who I've been actually looking forward to speaking with. Seth Silvers is with us today. He's a marketing consultant from Fort Collins, Colorado, and he's also a podcaster. We're going to be hearing all about some uh, small business storytelling today. That's his forte, and uh, it's become uh, a pretty... uh, uh, a big buzz in the marketing industry in the last couple of years about how to tell stories uh, of not only businesses, but customers and all points in between. So Seth, I'd like to welcome you. Thank you so much, Franklin. I appreciate, appreciate it greatly. And I'm really happy to be here on the podcast. So tell me a little bit about, uh, first of all, how did you find your way into marketing? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, the short the, the short answer is I had a minimum, I had a minimum amount of credits I had to take my last semester in college to keep my scholarship. And I only needed about one class to graduate. Um, and so, you know, I took tennis and I don't know, probably some other PE class. And then I uh, also took uh, a marketing class, just figured I, I might as well. And when I was in that class reading um, reading the textbook and going through the content and whatnot, I um, realized that it really did, uh, it, it kind of put words to how my brain processed things. Um, it just was one of those things that it just clicked. And I felt like it was one of the easiest classes I'd ever taken, not because the content was necessarily easy, but it just, it just made sense to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was really the first time that I like looked at what I did as marketing. Um, before that, I I started a nonprofit organization when I was 16 and um, was working with different youth in the community from different backgrounds. And we were bringing them together around um, at different events every two or three months. And so we really had to focus, me and my friends, on, you know, what can we do to get people to come together that have different backgrounds, different beliefs, different opinions. Mm. And, and we had to rally around one thing. Um, we had to rally around one story. And so at an early age, that kind of showed me the power of a story and how stories kind of, you know, they um, really are an effective way to communicate information, which is what marketing is about is communicating information. And so um, over the, you know, next handful of years of working, continuing to work with that nonprofit, I just kind of began to have a knack for, you know, whether it was graphic design or a little bit of video editing here or there, just kind of the different elements that kind of technical elements that we call marketing. Um, And I was just always passionate about how do we, how do we optimize these? How do we tell stories? Well, how do we market things well in an aesthetically pleasing way? And so it kind of just grew from there after college. I was the marketing director for a nonprofit for about three years before starting my own uh, marketing business four years ago. Have you been in Colorado your whole life or have you, or have you transplant here? So I was uh, raised here, but I left for college. Um, where, did, where did you go to school? I went to a small, small-ish private school, about 3,500 3, members in uh, Oklahoma called Oral Roberts University. 
All right. The prayer tower, everything goes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They do have, um, they have some pretty significant icons and towers and sculptures on their campus that uh, a lot of people know them for, but it was, it was a great school. It's like any other school. It is, you know, great things and hard things and whatnot. One of the things that a lot of people don't know about ORU is that there's a really strong uh, broadcast and communications program there and media. Um, I have some friends that I went to college with years ago that ended up teaching at ORU hmm. uh, in that particular program. And it's a top-notch program. Uh, were you involved in that in any way? I was not. So my, um, my major was organizational and interpersonal communications. Okay. Um, and so when I went to college, I kind of, I studied a little bit of communications, a little bit of theology and a little bit of business. Cause I knew those are things I enjoy learning about and mm -hmm. I don't really care what piece of paper they give me at the end uh, <laughs> and stuff. So I had friends in the broadcast, so I was under the communications department, but not in broadcast. Okay. Wonderful. Uh, going back to your, your first nonprofit that you formed when you were a teenager, um, where did the vision for that particular organization come from? That's a good question. And, um, it's kind of an interesting story because it actually came from a vision. Um, at the time I was 16 and, uh, you know, struggling with problems that 16 year olds struggle with, which at the time you think is the whole world is crumbling down. And now I look back and think like, Oh, it wasn't that big of a deal. <laughs> Um, and so I was kind of struggling with, I guess, just like my place and different things. And I grew up in a faith background, um, and still practice the same faith. Mm -hmm. And so I honestly, I was up late at night and I actually saw a vision. And in this vision, I saw a bunch of different auditoriums and churches that were filled with young people. And I knew in that moment that, um, that vision was, something that was coming to be. It was something that was in the future. It wasn't just an idea, but it was kind of one of those things that you actually feel a sense of calling to. You feel like mm -hmm. this was, for some reason, this was given to me for a reason. Um, and so I remember praying about it that night and feeling like, okay, I saw this vision of young people from different churches and different backgrounds really coming together to be unified and to make an impact in Northern Colorado. Um, and I kind of remember actually writing in my journal, like, you know, and that's I, kind of how I've always practiced prayers through journaling. And so I kind of said, you know, God, you've, I think you got the wrong address. Uh, <laughs> I think you meant to give this vision to like a pastor or somebody that is not a depressed 16 year old. Um, and so over the next few months, there were some other events that happened in my life that kind of showed that the time was right. And so I remember gathering my friends together in my parents' living room and saying, here's the vision I saw. Let's make this happen. And mm -hmm. um, four months later, we had an event with 150 kids that came from different churches. And about every three months, we held events with four to 600 students. Um, wow. And so it gave me the opportunity to, I mean, yes, see a lot of impact, but also to see, just to learn a lot about myself and my skills and things that I enjoy doing and different things like that. What impact did that have on your normal 16-year-old angst? Um, I think that it just uh, kind of just faded away, honestly. I think that I, it, it was almost overcome 
by uh by like living with a sense of purpose, I think, and just moving into a place where I felt connected to what I was doing. I felt like what I was doing was what I was supposed to be doing. Um, all of a sudden things like dreams of college basketball, like those things didn't matter as much, um, because I really felt connected to what I was doing. Were you a basketball player? I was, yeah, that was kind of my dream was to play college basketball. And then I, once I started getting more involved with ministry and with, building nonprofits and just kind of development of, of different sorts, I realized like, well, this is, this is more of what I'm going to be doing with my life. Like mm-hmm. at that time I realized I'm not, I didn't get the, you know, win the genetic lottery to be in the NBA. So I'm not going to be playing basketball my whole life. And so I might as well spend more time now preparing for things that I'm going to be doing my whole life. And so mm-hmm. the last two years of high school for me, um, was spent a lot of it was spent connecting with other community leaders and um, I guess doing less things that high school students are doing and trying to figure out how to um, run and grow an organization and I'm really thankful for the experience it taught me quite a lot that's fantastic it's a wonderful story uh, that you carry on from a young age that's very cool Mm-hmm. Um, fast forwarding then to your last semester of college when you took the marketing class and all these things started to click. Um, you had your degree in organizational development. Mm-hmm. And what what were you thinking that you were going to be doing at that point? Um, I, was, I was unsure, uh, but I, you know, I had some different ideas. And after my sophomore year, I spent three months um, my three month summer in Belize and working with some friends who are missionaries down there. And I, uh, was kind of helping with construction items and helping to build the children's home down there. And I met this couple, um, down on that trip. And it was one of those relationships where you kind of have the sense and the feeling of this connection was supposed to happen. We don't fully know why, but we're going to be connected for the long run. Mm-hmm. And so this, this couple, um, I stayed in contact with them. They lived in Dallas. I was going to school in Tulsa. And so I'd go and visit them a few times a year. And so by the time I was a senior, um, they had approached me and kind of, you know, mentioned that they had a philanthropic, they had a foundation that they gave philanthropically to, and they, to this day are some of kind of my business mentors and they, have a successful business and have run several successful businesses partially with the intention to give back. And so that was really inspirational for me to see them and just their generosity, their philanthropy. And so they approached me and initially said, you know, we, we have these organizations that we give to regularly. However, we don't just want to be giving the same amount every year. Like we want to, we're wondering if we can use our resources to create something that could create more resources um, rather than just us having to do the same thing every year. Mm-hmm. And so initially they're wanting to transition their foundation to a more functional nonprofit that, you know, could generate revenue and not have some of the same limitations that foundations have. Um, and so they kind of at first just kind of said, would you kind of help us almost as a consultant? We didn't call it that, but they said, you know, in your experience of being a part of a different, of being part of starting a nonprofit and, you know, being a part of what you were in Belize and different things, can you kind of just help guide us through this process or just give us some insight if you can? And, um, and so I was happy to, and so I started flying down to Dallas a couple weekends every semester to, you know, 
meet with them in branding meetings as they were talking about this organization and they wanted me to be included in their marketing meetings with this agency down there. And, and I was just absorbing everything like a sponge. And so then around December, they initially said, okay, you know, we have, we have this amount of money that we want to put into kind of getting this nonprofit off the ground. And, um, if you want it, here's the keys. Like we, we trust you with it. Um, and so it was, it was a really exciting and intimidating, um, I guess opportunity. And so, uh, I thought about it for a few weeks and, you know, around January of my senior year told them that I would like to do that. And so we kind of, I was down there down in Dallas pretty regularly. And so I was knew that that was the opportunity that was going to kind of come to fruition after college and um a few months after college and you know i came back to colorado hired uh, actually some of my friends to kind of help me with it and some support roles and we kind of put together a big business plan for the organization and we're you know getting ready to launch it and we developed a board of directors and um long story short i got a call from one of my other friends who had a organization that was doing similar work and that conversation ended up heading a direction that we didn't expect but he initially said we we have similar focus we have a similar focus um what if just kind of crazy what if what if we brought our boards together we brought our resources together we brought our teams together Hmm. kind of did this all under one name and so we actually ended up merging that effort with another organization and i ended up assuming the role of excuse me, the role of marketing director. Um, and so it was kind of this, you know, topsy-turvy, windy road of um, kind of a, a crazy opportunity turning into for a couple years working with a really incredible team with a nonprofit um, and being really involved in kind of seeing that nonprofit expand its reach into yeah. some different communities around the country. Merging the two boards together, um, what challenges were there in that? plenty. Um, luckily our board and organization was very young. Um, and so it was really like still, you know, we hadn't really established norms that there wasn't much that we had established to be disrupted. Um, but I think that there was some challenges with, um, I don't want to say power cause there wasn't like a power struggle, but I think just knowing, um, I think, you know, with the couple that I brought into this equation and initially came to them with a new business plan of saying, Hey, here's what the, here's what the plan would look like if we merged with this organization. Um, we were initially trusting ourselves to this already established organization. Mm-hmm. Um, we, and so there were some decisions that happened over the next couple of years that, um, you know, maybe I, and maybe the couple that, I brought into the equation would have made a different decision. Mm -hmm. Um, But we were a part of a team and we were not the only ones with a voice. And so I think that was challenging at times, just feeling like, you know, the direction of this larger organization that we joined is maybe going a different direction than we would have gone had we stayed our own ways. And that, that different direction still had a lot of impact and still had a lot of value. But I think that was some of the challenge was, um, coming into bringing new members into an already existing board that had norms and had, you know, they knew who had authority and who did it and different things. And um, just kind of, uh, I, 
I think that was challenging in ways. Yeah. So that, that your organizational development degree probably <laughs> came into yeah, play. Yeah. Or yeah, it was organizational <laughs> communication. So oh, that's right. Um, yeah. I, I've thought oftentimes like there was just, yeah, there was, there was some interesting, uh, interesting things that happened in that first year. I remember, uh, actually I remember a couple of times being in tears cause it was just, it was stressful. It was hard to figure it out. And I felt like I was in the middle of some amazing opportunities, but it was just hard to know exactly, um, what the right decision is and what the right move is and how to communicate it and how to work together with people. And, and that's, that's the variable there is people are involved in these decisions. And so decisions always affect people and, you know, either cause tension or cause harmony and it can be challenging. So I've said many times that I, I got the organizational communication degree. And then, uh, in the first year out of college, I got the masters by accident. <laughs> <laughs> the university of real life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I find it intriguing now that, that you've made a leap at some point into the world of uh, consulting with small businesses. Uh, the name of your company is Story On. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm really curious. I, I know that there are probably several chapters in between where you've just described and where you are now. But I'm kind of curious as to what were the things that opened the door for you to go into business for yourself? Yeah, that's a great question. And um, a lot of it for me was through my college years and really through my early 20s, I had found myself, you know, I'd initially been given the opportunities to develop really strong relationships with two families. One, the family that I just mentioned and another family that I met while I was also at college and um, their family owns a Fortune 500 company and their family gives away um, hundreds of millions of dollars a year. Mm. Uh, like that's the reason that they have built some of the most successful businesses in this country is to give away money. Mm. And so I got the opportunity to, to learn from them. And I actually remember taking that businessman out to um, a couple months after I graduated college, taking him out to, I flew to Oklahoma and I took him out to breakfast. I initially said, what's, what's a day on your calendar that you have breakfast open? And I flew out to Oklahoma to take him to breakfast. And I sat down with him and I said, um, I've been really inspired by your philanthropy. Like I look at what you guys have done in the business space and that's um, something that I want to either model in my own life or be a part of as an employee or something. Mm-hmm. And so I initially said, what's the best way for me to learn from you? Like I realize you're busy and stuff, but um, what's the best, is it to do this once a year or whatnot? And he said, well, let's talk on the phone for once a month for half an hour um, on the first Tuesday of every month, I'll call you at this time. And so I just, over the next year or two, um, having those phone calls, uh, got to learn just a lot and, and honestly learn, learn a lot about so many different things, not just business. And so I found myself having these two business mentors in my life that I was extremely inspired by. And they had both used business as a tool to make an impact. And they were, um, they were not, you know, they were both making incredible amounts of money. Um, but they were using business as a tool to serve others and to Mm. impact others. And so that really left a mark on me. And I just kind of, I didn't know where that would go or what direction that would lead me to. And over, you know, there were some different instances through college and through those early years out of college where 
I had begun to become frustrated with how marketing was done. Mm. Um, and I, I often say that our frustrations shape our dreams. <laughs> and I had just found myself kind of being underwhelmed by what was supposed to be like the best marketing by the best brands. And I actually had this instance where I was watching the Super Bowl and watching the commercials. And I just kind of had this feeling of, is this really like the best of the best with marketing? And I remember asking myself the question that day of, you know, what would happen if these brands focused more on telling the stories of how they were impacting lives? Whether it was, you know, it might be through products, it might be their employees, it might be philanthropy. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't just have to be giving money away, but like how they're actually improving lives. What if they told these stories? Would that grow their business? And I didn't know the answer. I really didn't. It just kind of was a question that plagued me for the next few years. Mm-hmm. And so I would here and there be researching, you know, how to tell great stories and, you know, researching more about marketing and consumer behavior and what kind of marketing was working and how things were changing. And initially began to realize, I remember reading this study and I guess it was late 2014, early 2015. And it initially said that 94% of people will, will willingly change the brand that they're supporting if they feel like one brand is more socially responsible than the other. Mm-hmm. And I believe it w- It made sense to me because that was how I bought and how I supported brands. But to see the data and to see the research really kind of showed me that um, there was a huge gap. There was um, on one side, there was consumers that are now, you know, that we're no longer just buying out of convenience or buying, you know, whatever shows up first on Google, that more and more people are searching through Google pages to actually find the right product for them and to Mm -hmm. find the company they believe in. Um, And so on one side, there was consumers who were buying based on values and based initially on stories. How is that company making an impact? Yet businesses are just marketing Um, they're really just marketing based on products. We're still just talking about offers and widgets and all of those things. Mm -hmm. And so there was that gap when I kind of realized that there's this huge gap, like businesses want to grow and they're not tapping into this thing called storytelling. They're not tapping into this big realization, really this big consumer shift where people are buying based on stories. Mm -hmm. And so when I saw that um, shift I was beginning to kind of think about it and ideate and write a business plan and think about what it could look like. And I had the idea in my head for a year or so. And then um, initially just realized uh, that the time, there will never be the perfect time. Mm -hmm. And um, that no matter when I start, I'll probably wish I would have started earlier. And so (laughs) I went to the, the organization I was working with initially told them, uh, I'm doing this, like I'm going to start this company and uh, what's the best way for me to transition out? And so I kind of had about a six month transition period to make it smoother for them while I was kind of working on the back end and was able to kind of work on the organizational side of story building story on while still getting an income from them. And Mm -hmm. so that was helpful. Um, And our uh, initial, it's funny, our initial business plan is so different than what we're doing now, but our initial business plan was to help businesses kind of help them realize what, um, 
what opportunities there are for them to make an impact and to actually help connect them with those organizations so that they can be making an impact and then to help them tell those stories. So kind of help make the connections, um, you know, help them know how to, what the most impactful way to spend a hundred thousand dollars is in a year if you're going to give that away. Mm-hmm. And then to actually help them know, here's how you, you should tell those stories and here's how you can market and grow your business with them. Um, and we thought the model was going to be perfect, you know, we, as always. Um, and so now things are, you know, they operated, the, uh, there's been several pivots along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but the goal from the start has been to help businesses market with stories and to help marketing be more authentic and more trust-based and to initially help businesses see that the best way to build a brand of loyal customers is through storytelling. Very good. There's a lot of emphasis, I think, in the marketplace as far as story marketing is concerned on the formula. And it sounds like to me that that's not first and foremost in your mind. It's not. Um, it's not because they're, uh, I feel like that in anything, people are looking for a formula. Um, and formulas are helpful. Um, you know, I think it's said now that we see three to 4,000 ads a day. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, many times that of just the, like how much information we're processing. And I often think about how there is a ton of things that happened yesterday that I have absolutely no recollection of. Yeah. And I was a part of them and I like, I, I cannot remember every part of my day yesterday. And so I often think about, you know, what makes one story or one piece of information stick and what makes other information just fade away. And so I think that formula is really helpful in a sense that when we are telling stories and especially in the marketing world, when we are sharing content, we should absolutely be aware of how, what are the ways that we can tell that story and create that campaign so that it actually does stick. And so I do think that there's some human psychology and human behavior and even sales psychology and stuff of just knowing there are ways to tell stories that work, whether it's the hero's journey, um, which has kind of been popularized in the last few years, um, even though it's thousands of years old. Um, (laughs) And so there are some formulas that are effective. And so we use those, but I think that the thing that trumps um, storytelling formulas is consistency. Like I, I can tell a great story and put all my resources into telling a great story and I can publish it and promote it today. But if that's the only story I tell in the next two years, that's not good enough because people want me to be telling stories, you know, every month, every week, even every day. And so I think that the consistency of sharing story focused content or more personal content as marketing content over time is much more important than, you know, focusing on all the semantics of exactly how the story is told and all of those things. So it is important, but I think consistency in storytelling is more important. Now in marketing your own business, how does storytelling come into play? That's a good question. And, um, it's funny because like marketing agencies tend to be terrible at marketing themselves. (laughs) Um, like I, I don't know how many website designers I've like seen that like they build beautiful websites and their own website sucks. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of the thing that when you start a marketing business, you tell yourself like that won't be us. 
<laughs> but then you realize that it caught, it, you know, it takes time and time equals resources and resources is money. And so it initially costs money that you could either be taking home or you could be spending on other clients. And so, um, I have not marketed our company that well over the last few years. Um, and so I think that the way that in the last like six months, we've, I initially have chosen to bite the bullet and realize that I need to be modeling everything I'm teaching. Mm -hmm. um, you would think that as a consultant and as an agency, like we would be better at taking your own advice um, <laughs> and stuff. Nope. Sorry. <laughs> I'm in the same class as you on right. that one. <laughs> yeah. So, and I'm grateful. I mean, kind of without marketing a ton, we have been able to get business in the last few years and stuff. And it's still been a journey. We still have a lot of room for growth, but, um, for us, I think customer success stories is one, um, and one way that it plays into marketing our business, really working to get the case studies and customer stories and to be integrating those into marketing campaigns, whether it's, um, whether it's our emails going out or whether it's um, different ads that are going out and stuff. So I think that that's one area. I think us knowing how to tell our brand story is really important. And we've spent a lot of time in the last year focusing on that and you know having a clear understanding of how we talk about what we do and how we tell our brand story. Um, but I, I mean, I think that it's essential with how does storytelling play into marketing our own business. Mm -hmm. um, and part of that is, you know, our podcast. Um, initially, our story, we need to know our story, like the story on brand story and Seth Silver's story well, but also like the community's story, we need to be a platform. So in, in our particular case, like I want story on to be a um, company that's known to be a platform where that shares other companies, great stories. Initially, mm -hmm. if we're known for sharing great stories of great businesses, then there's going to be trust associated with that and stuff. And so that's why we're putting more resources into launching, you know, launching our own podcast and putting more time into creating videos for online and um, kind of actually implementing more of the marketing models that we're doing for our clients and so and we've seen a lot of great results from it um mm -hmm. from just focusing more on that and so it's been really rewarding let's talk about the podcast just a little bit um yeah very enjoyable podcast called the small business storytellers podcast how long ago did you start that i believe we launched the first episode um in, it was either late January, or early February. We're about, uh, I think we're 13 episodes in. I took about a two and a half week break on accident because I realized that my, uh, I, I learned the value of hard drive space and RAM memory and <laughs> what computers that are designed for checking emails can and cannot do. Yeah. Um, and stuff. So there's been some technology quirks that I've had to work through and um, upgrades that I've had to do just to be able to process large files and stuff. And so uh, we took a few week break, but yeah, we're 13 episodes in. It's been about four months. Um, tell us a little bit about um, you, you, the, the podcast features a variety of businesses. Um, the most recent one that I heard was uh, the woman who had grown up, uh, her father owned a lighting company. And she grew up in that lighting company, helping out her father, and then went on to become the the head of that organization. And then before that, you had on a couple 
who had come here from Mexico who were food vendors. And um, you're just kind of, you're drawing from all over the community. And I'm just a little bit curious as to, first of all, where are you finding these folks? And second of all, um, how are you, how are you working the continuity into your program with the diversity of, of guests that you have? By continuity, do you just mean like initially, how am I getting clients from it? No, not necessarily. Um, I'm not. I'm not all that concerned. I have a feeling that you get clients uh, pretty easily, um, <laughs> even you know, I, even though you don't follow your own I advice. Accept, <laughs> I accept that as a prophetic word over my business. <laughs> I'll, I'll give it to you, man. But here's the thing, though. It's like uh, one of the things that I love about the show is that it's familiar. I mean, you're you're approach and asking the questions and doing the interviews is a familiar style. And over the course of the shows, there's not much of a hiccup in that. Um, and, but you've got this diverse range of guests and each one has a different story. Um, right. So I'm just a little bit curious as to, is that an intentional thing or is that just uh, a happy accident in the universe? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. I think that the theme is, the, the theme and the thing that's been important for me is I've wanted it to truly be small businesses. I'm sure that you know this when you start a podcast, you know, you do your research and uh, there's all these courses and things out there that, you know, they kind of tell you how to hack the podcasting system and, yeah. you know, you put out a couple episodes and you blitz everybody, you know, for reviews and then you get on a chart and then by getting on the chart and you, um, you know, you leverage that authority that was created in the last two days Mm -hmm. uh and you go and get famous people on your podcast and then when you know when you scratch a famous person's back by putting them on your podcast then they'll share it with their people and then you get listeners and kind of creates this snowball effect so that's kind of like how people say you should grow a podcast is initially interview famous people (laughs) um when i started this like my passion is not, you know, I love Elon Musk. I love Mark Zuckerberg. I love Jeff Bezos. I know like we can learn a lot from them, but I could actually learn more as a small business owner with a small team and a small office. I could learn more from the business across the street and down the street that has been around for 10 years that has almost shut down and figured out a way to keep going. I could learn more from that person than I could from Mark Zuckerberg. Um, And so, so much of the focus in kind of business podcasts is on, you know, these huge companies or these fast scaling companies or, you know, these people that have companies that happen to have huge followings and stuff. When, when I did the research and preparing for the podcast, I realized uh, that 90% of incorporated businesses, official businesses will not hit a million dollars a year in revenue. And that was shocking to me because... Um, one in the agency space, a lot of agencies, you know, they don't even work with companies that small. And I've always wanted to figure out a way to work with companies smaller. And that initially showed me that, you know, you have 90% of the business population that's trying to learn lessons from, you know, the top 0.01% of billion dollar companies. When in reality, like there's, probably a lot of applicable lessons within that 90 to 95% that are probably going to do a few hundred thousand to a few million year revenue. And I just wanted our podcast to be a place where small business owners could learn 
kind of from other like no name Joes that nobody knows about. Um, and I was talking with somebody the other day and they were, you know, talking about that similar plan. Like, you know, I'm going to get this guy on my podcast and this person and this person, and all these famous people. And it was like, I realized that as far as a growth strategy goes for my podcast, I'm kind of hijacking it because I'm not wanting to interview famous people. Like I would rather interview somebody that nobody knows, but that has a successful business than Mark Zuckerberg. Um, And so the continuity there has been that they have all been what I would call purpose-driven small business owners. Yeah. Um, That there's going to be some kind of a bigger why behind it. Um, If your only concern is making money, then you're probably not the right fit for our podcast. If you have a really good idea, that you're working on, but you're probably still in that solopreneur mode, mm-hmm. probably not going to be a good fit for our podcast yet. Yeah. And um, if you're a huge, huge company, it's probably not a good fit. And so I think it's kind of just been in, I know who I don't want on the podcast um, and kind of having like knowing that, yes, our guests come from different backgrounds and different industries, but the things they have in common is that they, um, they look at business as a tool for impact. Very good. That's awesome. I share that sentiment um, in my own. I uh, have no interest in famous people (laughs) (laughs) other than just the cursory like train wreck uh, aspect of it. Um, But I really, I feel like that there are so many wonderful stories to be told by uh, people at every level uh, of business, you know, from, from people who are just starting to, you know, throw their skin in the game to the people who are, you know, seasoned veterans. Um, I want to hear from mm-hmm. all of them. And that's one of the things that I've appreciated about your show is that you've, you've presented some stories that I have found perfect for my situation where I am. Um, mm. And that has been a really helpful thing to find. That's really great. That's great to hear, Franklin. Well, let's talk a little bit about how people can get in touch with you. Um, I just found out today that you have a Facebook community. And I also yes. found out that you have, I, I, I finally had a chance to visit your website. Um, tell us a little bit about how people can reach you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm pretty accessible, um, and on most places, whether it's LinkedIn or Instagram or Facebook, um, we do have a Facebook group, um, called success with stories. And that's just kind of a a community of purpose-driven business owners and marketers and entrepreneurs. Um, and we post a lot of resources and videos and different things in there. Um, but, uh, the, best place. I, I really would encourage listeners to go and check out the podcast, the small business storytellers, because it is still new and we're still learning and we're still making adjustments and still figuring it out. Um, we're going to be doing it for a couple of years. Uh, this isn't something that the goal hasn't been to do it for four months. And if we don't get the right number of downloads, then to quit. Um, so we're going to be doing it for a long time and would love your feedback in how we can make that happen. Um, but if you want to get directly in touch with me, I would encourage you to just search Seth Silvers on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn and shoot me a message and I'd be happy to dialogue more from there. And the website is storyon.co. Yes. All right. Seth, this has been a great conversation. I'm, I'm sorry to actually see that it's coming to an end. Um, I, I think that you and I could probably talk for days, but um, we have a lot of the same interests and a lot of the same uh, values that are coming into uh, what drive us. And I, it's, it's nice to find uh, another uh, kindred soul. So I thank you for being a, a guest today. 
Um, yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Well, let's uh, let's let's plan another uh, an, another outing soon. This uh, maybe we'll, maybe we can do a follow on podcast uh, episode a few months down the road and see how things are going. Yeah, that would be great. Awesome. Thanks so everyone, um, Seth Silvers at storyon.co and you can search for him on Facebook, Instagram and other places where you would find people online and um, definitely check out the Small Business Storytellers podcast. Uh, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised by it and you'll enjoy it very much as I have. So Thank you. Thanks for taking the time to listen to, subscribe, and review The Reset Podcast. The Reset Podcast features interviews, insights, and in-depth reflections that will help you navigate your own fresh start. If you'd like to be a guest or share an idea for a topic you'd like to hear about, please contact podcast at franklintaggart.com. I offer a wide range of services to people who are ready to live with clear direction new possibilities, greater freedom, and unlimited creativity. If you're looking for a new beginning, I'm available to help you. More information is available at franklintaggart.com. The Reset Podcast is a production of Franklin Taggart and Make Your Own Way Media. All rights reserved.